0: Being an entrepreneur can be a lonely place. Most businesses don't even get past the first three years. So in this series, we're gonna be talking to entrepreneurs that are high-performing or high-performing businesses that can help you with hints, tips, and hacks to help you fast-forward your way to success. My name's Mark Burgess. I've got over 20 years' experience working as an entrepreneur, building up various different businesses. I've wrote a best-selling book. I speak nationally and internationally at different conferences, and this is Raising Your Game. Okay, in this episode of Raising Your Game, I talk to Campbell McPherson, the author of The Change Catalyst. He's been the Strategy Director for Zurich, the Marketing Director for Virgin Wines, and we talk about why strategy and culture is so important in your business. Campbell, thanks very much for coming in. Pleasure. Um, just for the viewers, are you alright to give us just a bit of background on yourself and uh, you know, what you do for a living? Certainly. Well, what I do uh, is that I
1: help CEOs and leadership teams to clarify their strategy and then align their people to deliver it. And, and that could be multi-million, hundred-billion-billion-dollar uh, organisations with, with tens of thousands of people down to small companies with six, 12, you know, 18 people in them.
0: Brilliant. Okay. Um, and was it, was it last year or the year before that you uh, wrote your book? Uh
1: wrote it two years ago. It's called The Change Catalyst, and last year it won the uh, Business Book of the Year, uh, which was fabulous. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, it won the Leadership Category and then the Business Book of the, war, of the Year Awards, which was, which, which was great. Uh, what, one of the interesting uh, stories about the actual awards night uh, is that Wiley, who published the book, um, had so much confidence in the book that they didn't even take a table on the night. <laughs> That's how they yeah. sat me next to, on another table, next to a commissioning editor who had actually rejected
0: the book. So that was fabulous. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, okay, so when you uh, do your work with companies, mm-hmm. um, they, I'm guessing they usually call you in if they're starting to feel maybe a little bit of a disconnect in the team, or what's the, what's the usual kind of problems that that's a, that's
1: a good idea. There's normally two triggers. It's a good question. See, the two triggers. One is that they've reached an impasse and they need to grow. Uh, from, from where they are and they know it's a big push, a new strategy, big change initiative needed, or, um, they, so that's the opportunity, uh, piece or there's, they're in a real problem and they, the profitability has been going, going through the, through the floor, uh, and then they need to change. Uh, it's always more fun. The first uh, variety. Yeah. And Yeah. So yeah, what, what I end up, and end up saying to CEOs and, and it's, either for small companies or big companies, that it all depends on two things, really. One is clarity, and the other is culture. And it doesn't matter if you're a six-man company or a 60,000-person company. It's all about clarity, clarity of strategy. So what is it you're trying to achieve with your business? And just as importantly, why? Mm -hmm. So your people have got to come on the ride with you for this new growth phase that you're going through. And they need to know why that we're actually gonna be doing this. So they first need to know what we're doing, then they need to know why. And that reason why has got to be emotional because emotions trump logic every single time, four times more powerful than the logic. Wow. So as long as they know why they're going on the journey and what it is they're gonna achieve, then you are halfway there. Mm. Uh, the rest of the clarity is, is in, well, what are the implications of the strategy? And very few CEOs, big or small, stop to think through, well, what are the consequences of us actually achieving this vision of the future? So what skills do I need that I don't have today? What, how will my structure need to change? How, how maybe some of my people can't make the journey? Uh, and, and also, who do I need to partner with Uh, What costs, what systems? What are the implications of this strategy? Very few people do that. They just launch into this new wonderful world of growth without actually thinking through what could possibly go wrong or what do I need to change? And the other is culture. So culture is is critical to any
0: organisation. So how do you go about building a culture that's real as opposed to just uh, throwing in some beanbags and asking everyone to wear flip-flops? <laughs> that's, that's,
1: that, 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 that's, that's another good question. Culture has got to be real. It sort of comes down to values, really. And, and there are three types of values. One, one value is your brand values, which, which every marketer understands what they are. But normally, a brand value is what the marketing director or CEO or owner of the business says that they are. And that's not true. Your brand values are actually what your customers say they are. Then your corporate values, and every organisation has corporate values, they're not what you write on the walls or have on the back of your phone. They're they're actually what your people say they are. Then there's a third type of values, and that's your your aspirational values, and they're the ones you put in your annual report, you hang from the walls. They're they're the values you aspire to. And very few organisations, in fact none of them, uh, look at the values through those three sorts of lenses. And if they did, they'd have the aspirational values that we're, we're trying to aspire to achieve. And then you'd have how your customers think uh, your values are and how your people think your values are. And if you looked at them through those three lenses, you could build a culture that is A, genuine, and then B, knows what it needs to do to reach the
0: aspirational values. Yeah. So um, if you're running an organisation... Yep. Um, small, medium size, whatever it might be, um, and your customers are the ones who decide the values, if you're in a situation whereby you're, you know that your company kind of needs to change, maybe evolve, I'm guessing it, must, it would be quite difficult to then go to your customers and ask them what they think because... Yes, but
1: uh, so if you ask your customers, you'll get what your values are today, and that's really powerful. Then you set your aspirational values, and you know the gap that you need, need to fill. Too many organisations say, these are our values, and they don't bother to stop to ask either the customers or the people what the values actually are today. So they pretend that the aspirational values are current, and, and they almost
0: never are. Right, okay, yeah. I see. Um, and, and do you think it's important that you then... Um Build your culture around those values in terms of, as I said before, some companies uh, they see firms like I don't know Facebook or Google or whatever, and they sort of say, oh, if we have a, a, a foosball table in the office, and <laughs> if your if your values are based around I don't know, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, uh, professionalism, uh, do you think it's important that the the inside of your office and everything about it runs through that value, or do you think that uh, you can still have a, a mishmash of a casual office and a value of uh, you know being corporate if if they're to become genuine, which is where your,
1: your your question started, then everything's got should be reflecting those those values yeah but but i'm not so much uh, hung up about. Whether there's table tennis tables and they're all beanbags, it's it's what's the customer experience? Does the customer experience live up to the value, your aspirational values? Yeah. Do do the, your people experience, which could be football tables, yeah. it could be a bar, it could be it could be uh, you know an in house cafe. But but does the experience of your people and the experience of your customers live up to the aspirational values? And that's. Um, I I gave a a speech in a a conference in Singapore and ran a big workshop with real estate agents from all around Australia, and we we asked one question and went right throughout the room. What is your DNA? What is the DNA that makes you different? And it ended up being it was all about culture, because that is the comparative advantage, that is your differentiator, your culture, so what is that? And how can you make sure your customer experience lives up to it and
0: your people experience lives up to it? Yeah, that's a really good example because, you know, most conferences in a specific sector, let's say real estate, um, someone might stand up on stage and say, this is how it works in real estate. Um, But what you're doing there is saying, um, okay, there are some rules for how transactional Uh, Things take place in real estate, but forgetting that for a minute, each and every one of you in this room is actually different and you could all possibly work in the same marketplace without completely. conflicting. Completely.
1: In fact, they weren't competing. They were in different parts of the, of the geographical parts of the country, but, but each one is their own business, and one will be extremely good on after customer care, and one will be brilliant at sales, and the other will be based on price. So They, they all have their own comparative advantages, but, but it, what we needed to help them work out was what is their DNA, what's their values inside their organization that everything else well, hang off. If it's price, you have a different culture and, a, and a different uh, outcomes. If it's, if it's after customer care, if it's longev- longevity of, of customer uh, loyalty, if you like. Loyalty is a horrible word, but relationship, uh, then that's a different DNA. It's a different value and a different organisation and a different leadership required as well. So the conference was all about helping to build, to enhance the leadership capability of the, uh, the, the principles in the, in the room.
0: I love that. Um, so they can talk to their customers. Okay, mm-hmm. we get that. Um, are there any other sort of uh, fundamental things that where, whereby someone who's watching this now could maybe start thinking about how they start to discover what the DNA of their company actually is?
1: Well, the, the, the place to start is to sit in a cold room with a towel over your head and work out what it is you want your business to stand for. Uh, and then it's back to sort of, I suppose, what I said, which is ask your customers, ask your people, but do it in a way that you are actually listening. Because too many people listen to reply rather than listen to understand, which is, a, which is a little bit of a, it should be written on a Hallmark card somewhere, but it, but it's a, it's a good truism. You know, listen to really understand how your business is seen by its customers and its people and the industry at large, uh, and then work to, to, to actually fill the gap as we as we talked about before. Um, but it's all about your people. I, I, in, in the book and, and when I talk to clients, I, I, I stress that it's only your people that can actually deliver your strategy. So leadership and culture are everything, no matter what what size the organisation happens to be. It's only your people that can deliver the change that, that you will want to bring about in your
0: business. Yeah. Okay. So most companies, I guess, uh, if we're talking about small companies, certainly they, they set up... And uh, the owner themselves works in the business and, it, and, and works really hard to deliver an outstanding service. And I guess naturally um, has some values that they put in place. Yep. And then gradually it just becomes about targets and sales where so people come on board and they do targets and sales. So um, are you saying that when you was talking about the emotional side of things versus the logical, is that where you maybe just need to, people to buy into the emotional uh, vision of the business, as opposed to, you need to make 20 sales this month, go for it. Oh, and, and The owner-operator oper- owner businesses have a real
1: advantage in that the, the values that the owner brings to it uh, uh, can then permeate throughout the rest of the organisation, and they need to be confident that those values are what they want the, the company to stand for. I and mean, they're in a great position. Once you end up with more than 150 people, values become something that put on walls and they become uh, esoteric or even meaningless. But an owner-operator business, if you're clear about the values that you have, you're in a really good position to, to make a real difference. And yes, the moment it starts to be coming about sales and targets and everything that is not to do with values, you've started to lose the plot. Now, obviously, we've got to make money. We've got to... What happens if we don't make a sale? Nothing. So sales are really important. But client relationships are important. People relationships are important. Making sure all those values and cultural building blocks are there in order to then bring about the type of sales that you want.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so... So we know that building a culture inside the organisation is important. Uh, The other thing you were talking about was strategy. Um, How do you see the two lining up if uh, obviously sales are important, um, but the fundamentals of someone coming to work for you is that they buy into the culture of the business. Um, How does someone start to create a little bit more of a strategy inside their company as opposed to just, I don't know, let's, let's see, see what, what happens next week. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Or, or set, set a target. Oh, we want to grow 20%, you know, this, uh, this year. Uh, off we go. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad strategy. Well, it is a bad strategy. It's just an incomplete strategy. The strategy needs to encompass the values, but it needs to encompass um, not only what we're trying to achieve, but why. There needs to be a purpose. What is the purpose of the organisation? And I love purpose-driven uh, organisations. I think every single organisation should big or small, have a purpose. Why do our people get up in the morning? What, what is the reason? You know, it doesn't have to be to do no evil, which is a bit esoteric. It could just simply be, we are here to build, for instance, a financial services company that I was a director of many years ago. Our purpose was, we are here to help financial advisors build really successful businesses. And that purpose solidified every action, every thought, every decision. In in that we're then able to, are we living up to that purpose? That is why we get out of bed every morning. So I recommend that companies, big or small, the owner operator says, this is our purpose. And if you buy into the
0: purpose, you'll sort of know what to do to deliver the strategy. Got it. Okay, we've got to go to an ad break. Uh, I want to dig into this a little bit more after the break, so don't go away. Before the break, we were talking about the change that companies need to make, Uh, companies go through these phases whereby once it was just the owner and they have a small team and slowly it starts to grow and grow and grow. And we were talking about the importance of that. Uh, But uh, the premise of your book, The Change Catalyst, you go on to talk about how 88% of these changes actually fail. Yes. So why?
1: Well, that's the entire first part of the book. Um, I saw this statistic in a wonderful uh, survey from Bain and Company in two thousand and sixteen, and that said eighty eight percent of change initiatives actually failed to deliver the the outcomes they set out to achieve. And I thought back through all of my experience over the years um, of instigating change in a company, advising companies to instigate change, and. And it felt about right. The vast majority of change initiatives actually fail. When I say change initiatives, I also mean strategies, so business strategies as well. Mergers and acquisitions, a similar number of mergers and acquisitions actually fail to deliver the business case. You know, it, it, it's, quite, uh, it's quite bizarre. So why? Well, that's the first part of the book. There's, there's 10 reasons. And if I, let's see if I can remember them all. <laughs> the first one is what we said before, which is clarity of what we're trying to achieve and why. So they fail because there's a lack of clarity. Normally, it's clear what we want to achieve, but it's not clear as to why. So why should anyone buy into that? Um, the second one is, is, um, is that there's a lack of clarity of implications. We haven't stepped back to saying what could possibly go gone wrong. We've just rushed headlong into, uh, into actually uh, trying to deliver this, this new strategy or, or new change. Another one is we, we forget that emotions trump logic every time. So that was something we mentioned before. But when you're going through a change initiative... I use a, a really bad joke in, in, in the book about... Uh, supposed to be a joke about social workers, but it's how many social workers does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is just one, but the light bulb has got to want to change. <laughs> so, and, and it's the, it's the same with, with humans, not just light bulbs, is we only change if we want to, not because someone's telling us to. And in order to do that, we have to be engaged emotionally. I, what's in it for me to come with you on this change journey. Uh, another reason is obviously the uh, changes are really the setup to fail. And too many strategies or changes don't have the, the capabilities or the structural or clear decision-making uh, processes to actually succeed. And, and um, one of the, the really key reasons why why 88% of changes fail is the leadership takes their eye off the ball. So the leadership of of any organisation has got to be relentless in communicating brilliantly with their people, because we, we have two ears and one, one one mouth, but actually not broadcast communications, but asking questions of what could go wrong, help me on this journey, do you think this is the right strategy, How help me achieve it, what have we forgotten? Um, and also leadership need to never take their eye off the ball. So uh, it's a combination of those things are the top 10 reasons why why 88% of, of change fails. And, of course, if you flip that around, uh, each one of them you need effective communications, genuine stakeholder engagement set up to succeed, uh, emotional engagement, um, and also you need what I coined to be a change catalyst. And that is that most project managers or project managers on big um, on big, uh, on big projects, um, our, our program managers are process-focused. And process is fine and you need it, but a process without an outcome is a road to nowhere. So a change catalyst is a business person and in this case, an owner-operator that is focused on the outcomes they need to achieve and relentlessly focused on achieving them. And that's what is a change catalyst. And that's what every single strategy or change initiative needs.
0: Wow. Do you think that uh, what I'm getting out of that is that a lot of companies they maybe figure this stuff out in terms of how they're going to make more sales yep um, but they're not necessarily pitching internally they're not necessarily creating that why and that purpose and that idea that you know what if you don't sell this internally to your team none of them will buy into it is that and that's just as important with
1: a small six to 10, 20-man you know, person company than, 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 than Zurich, where I was the strategy director there for, uh, for several years. It's, it doesn't matter what size organization. Most companies start with the outside. They go, right, here's our new brand strategy. Here's our new marketing strategy. Here's the change we're going to deliver. And we'll tell the outside world all about it first. They won't actually, it's a really good point, they won't engage... Firstly, emotionally, but also in a two way dialogue with the, with their people to make sure their people really understand the journey that they're going on, the changes, the need for the changes, and the, and to help the owner operator to help the CEO work out what needs to change internally in order to deliver the external outcomes that they 're actually looking for it 's a really, really good point people don 't focus enough on the people people, the culture the, the not just bringing people along. Uh, for the ride, I had one CEO who brought me in and said, I've got the new strategy. I need you to do your workshops and get everyone on board to my strategy. And I just put my head in my hands and went, Right, it's not your strategy. It needs to be their strategy. And they're not bringing people along. We're communicating the end goal, the vision, the purpose, and getting their help and actually delivering it. Yeah. And he said, Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs>
0: yeah it, it, everything seems to always come back to that question of why doesn't it? you know it so does. It does when we uh, I know when we used to do projects in my company, we would just say, okay, these are the things that we're going to do, and then we'd dish it out to the teams and they'd all get it done. Um, and generally with projects like that, you find that they uh, they'll take double the amount of time and, and be five times the budget that you thought. But actually now if when we do when we create the, the each part of that project, We don't just say, oh, that's what we're going to do. We have to stop and go, why? What is it we're trying to create? And then suddenly you find the whole project changes. And there's (laughs) another piece that so many organisations,
1: particularly large ones, forget, and that is building a pause for reflection. So inertia is one of the key reasons why change fails. So turn that around, is that every big change, particularly anything to do with systems, ends up uh, being like a locomotive running down the, uh, hurtling down the tracks. And it's almost politically impossible to stand in front of it and say, stop. I'm not sure we need a train anymore. But, but that's what you have to do. You have to pause and say, are the outcomes still valid? What have we learnt over the first, you know, last few months of doing this project? Should we change direction? Will it cost more? Is that Has, has the scope creeped? And, and actually pause for reflection and take the political sting out of the fact is that maybe the best thing is to stop. Maybe the best thing is to change direction. So
0: if you've been doing that in your business, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of leaders or, or CEOs or directors that run companies feel like, uh, they're supposed to have all the answers yep, and, well, they, and they, so de- they deliver it and then even when it's not going particularly well, they sort of reinforce that's what they're supposed to be doing when actually maybe it's easier to, to, to take a step back and go, oh, I haven't got any of the answers, but why don't you guys... But that's. Me with but it. That's, uh, that there are there are a
1: number of reasons why why uh, we don't like change. My next book is is uh, is just finished actually. It should be out by the end of the year. Called the Power to Change, and it's about overcoming the personal barriers to change. And every big. Every organizational change is the culmination of individual personal changes. And one of the key reasons for that is that the reason that change doesn't work is, is that a fear of blame. So that CEO that you've just described will have accidentally set up um, a culture where you can't be seen to think that this new system, this new change is a bad idea. He didn't mean or she didn't mean to do that at all. It's just... It's this, that locomotive again, it's running down the track and you can't, you can't politically be the person that says, we, we need to stop and rethink this. So the CEO, you need to build this in upfront so that it's just a phenomenon that everyone understands happens. It happens with every big systems project. And so that you can actually build in a pause for reflection and the CEO to go, should we be doing this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Genuinely, should we be doing this? And if the answer's still yes, fabulous,
0: keep going. But you know, change direction a little bit, okay, so we've got a couple of minutes. Um, if there's someone who's watching this they've run a, they're running a company, and they sort of feel like they definitely need to make change happen, but they're just not really quite sure where to start. Wh- where could they start um, uh, and what could they actually go away and start implementing tomorrow? Right, the place to start is the same
1: place to end, and in the middle is is with your people so every CEO will have a bit of an inkling on where they need to get to or what they want to do with their business. So it comes back to what you said before, is that you don't have to have all the answers. In fact, you don't have all the answers. And as soon as a CEO says, I've got an idea of the vision where I think this business could go and uses those very words with their people, help me. How do you think we can get there? What could we be doing? and you've you've now started to engage them on the journey of building your business, two, three, four times its size, whatever it is that your plan is. So if you can set out a rough vision, it doesn't have to be polished, and then the first
0: person, first place to start is your people, because they are the ones that will take you there. Awesome. Right. Um, So we need to wrap it up. If anyone does want to connect with you, I'm guessing they can find you on... uh, They can.
1: ChangeInStrategy.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and Twitter.
0: All sorts of things. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks very much for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.